Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. right here because I'm going to try to teach a little bit more than preach today, but um, all of our team knows that that won't last probably more than 10 minutes. I will be on my feet at some point. Um, but this whole series is wrapped around this idea. It's madness not to trust God with every area of our lives. Um, so you don't have to like basketball. You don't have to have kept up with March Madness or anything like that. Um, if so, has anybody got a bracket that's still doing okay? Yep, no one. That's usually what happens. They get trashed. Shauna said her. She's never even seen a bracket, I don't think. Anyways, um, and so uh, you don't have to have anything about basketball to, to understand where we're going. But um, this, the, the past two weeks have been really, really good. I've just watched God do some special stuff. Last week, there was about 15 people up at the altar after service. And just, God was just moving on their lives. We talked about, um, at the end of the message, we talked about forgiveness. And there were people literally forgiving fathers who had hurt them from decades ago that they've never talked to. There were people, um, husbands and wives, forgiving one another. There were sons and daughters forgiving um, parents who walked out on them when they were young. Like, just watch God's spirit just move in a powerful way. And uh, as a young church, it was cool for us because we saw the altars flooded for the first time ever. And as a pastor, I was like, bro, this is where we're going. God's about to wreck a city. Let's go. And then I show up, and I know we got empty seats right here. And some people are like, man, your church isn't very big. I'm like, yeah, but every empty seat is an opportunity for a fulfilled life. And we go in somewhere. And we got three services on Easter, and everybody's going to show up. Look, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. And so um, I know we got new people come every week. I've seen new faces all the time. We say something around here. If it's your first time, stick for six. What I mean by that is stay for six weeks. Don't just come once and then like, oh, I don't know about it. You're going to need at least six Sundays to even see what, just to scratch the surface of who we are. Like, because we're in the early days, right? And so I would encourage you, if it's your first time, stick for six weeks. If after six weeks you don't like it, that's fine. I'll just help you find another church. But don't think you're about to walk out and be like, I don't know, church just isn't for me. No, church is for you. You need the community. You need faith. You need to be in this. Like, Jesus built the church, and he knows, look, i say it this way. Jesus had 12 disciples, and he changed the world with them. And one of them was a denier, one was a doubter, and one was a betrayer. First off, Jesus needed people to fulfill his mission with, and he still had some jokers in there acting a fool. So you'll have some people in your life that will frustrate you and do some stuff, but you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. We have to have each other. And so um, it, it's madness, honestly, to try to follow God and not be in church. I meet people all the time. They're like, I can be a Christian and go to church. And I'm like, you won't be a very good one, and you won't be one for very long. Um, and so I'm just telling you, we need each other. But this week, I'm excited. So first week, madness not to trust God with our soul. Week two, madness not to trust God with our pain. And this week, whew, I'm taking a deep breath because it's my first time being a lead pastor and my first time ever preaching on uh, this subject. But I can't do a series about trusting God with our whole life and not talk about it. And so it's madness not to trust God with our resources. I will talk about money today, but don't worry. If you call Voyage Church home, there's an opportunity to give, and we normally do that at a different part of service. We're going to do that at the end. If you're a first-time guest, there is zero obligation to give. You can just sit back, enjoy, encounter God, and pray and see if this is a place you call home. But for those of us that call this place home, man, it's just a joy to be generous. We get to see God do stuff like a Voyage vehicle and change a city. Um, but we will talk about money today. But when I say it's madness not to trust God with our resources, I'm talking about every resource. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your gifts and your talents, because there's a lot of gifted, talented people, 
that could offer a lot to the kingdom of God, but we're more concerned about what other people might think about us rather than what God has already said about us, that we end up holding back our gifts and talents and we don't use them to build the church. Like there's some people out here who got some voices. Like you can sing. I'm not talking about sing. I'm talking about sang. You know what I'm talking about? And you're just like, I just, man, I can't get up there in front of people. Well, first off, your voice that you were given was never given to you actually for people. It was given to you because our first and foremost reason to use our voice, Jonathan will do some worship teachings on this at some point. I'm excited to to just teach people that your voice, it's actually vocal cords. it's, It's the instrument that you have, even if you don't think you can play one. And it was given to you first and foremost to give praise back to God. It's not for other people. It's for God. And then God uses that, what we give to him, to reach people. And so I really, really believe in this topic today. It's madness not to trust God with our resources, every area of our lives. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and just get the, uh, the part that sometimes makes us squirm in the seat a little bit, because I'm going to have to talk about money, okay? I'm gonna have to, someone said talk to us. Thank you. Uh, I just have to talk about it, because when we look in the Old Testament, you're going to see so much talked about cattle, flocks, all that kind of stuff, right? And everyone in here is going to be like, cool, I'm out, because I ain't got no goats, right? Well, No, you don't, but what you have in your bank account would be considered your flocks, right? Because in that time frame, that was the monetary stuff that they used for trading, selling. That's that's how they lived, right? So whatever it might be that you had as as the thing that was your, what, what you monetized, that was how you got goods for your family. That's how you made it. But today, it's different, right? It's the same reason we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God. If you've never heard that, the Bible says he's the Lamb of God. Because in the Old Testament, they were sacrificing lambs. Jesus is the final sacrifice. And praise God, nobody showed up here with a lamb in the back of the truck today and was like, hey, Pastor, we got one. We can kill it, right? We don't have to do that. Jesus is the final sacrifice, okay? But when we talk about trusting God with our resources, it's absolutely attached to um, not our money. It's attached to our heart because our hearts are attached to money. And here's, here's, what I, uh, here's the spiritual principle with that. The word heart in the Bible is the word cardia in Greek. Cardia means the center of who you are. The best way I could explain this, because the English language, it sucks. Um, it's just bad. Uh, the Greek language is so much more dense. But cardia, the best way I could explain it is as if the inside of your heart was a bookshelf. And if all those books were lined up correctly with the spines reading the labels, that I could look on the bookshelf of your life and be like, this is what they're made up of. That's what the Bible would consider your cardia. It's, it's who you are at the core, at the center. And so everything about trusting God with our resources is about trusting God with our hearts. Why? Because it shows who we are, right? So really giving, generosity, spending your time, spending your resources, using our gifts and our talents are attached to one thing, the condition of our hearts, the condition of our hearts. So here's an interesting thing when it comes to possessions and money in the Bible. There are 500 verses in the Bible about prayer. There are 500 verses in the Bible about faith. There are 2,000 scriptures about money and possessions in the Bible. Why? I think because God knows that money and possessions can take over our hearts and can drive our lives, and God wants our hearts because he knows that none of those things will satisfy us. And so um, in Matthew 6, 21, this is a scripture. If you end up calling Voyage Church home, you'll hear this all the time. This is our scripture for giving. We use this scripture all the time, and it says, for where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. So wherever you put your treasure, wherever you put your finances, wherever you put your time, wherever you put your resources, you're actually telling your heart where to go. So right now you could just pull up your bank account and be like, dang, my heart's got Starbucks. Bad. You know what I'm talking about? Like you could start scrolling through and be like, man, 
I went to Chick-fil-A that many times? I swore I only got chicken minis like twice this month, right? Wherever you're spending, wherever the time and the resources is going, like for me, I, I, I love to ride my bike. And to have a really good bike ride for me, because I'm going to want to at least ride 50, 60 miles, I'm going to need about, you know, two and a half, three hours. But that's time away from my family. And so those are things that I, I've got to process with something that I love, but it's obviously not more important than my family. But I've also spent money on, uh, I bought a new set of wheels the other day, and they weren't cheap. So I sold one bike to buy wheels. Try to add that up. Yeah, my wife was like, I thought when you got a bike, it would just be done. There's like more things. But we all know it doesn't matter what your hobby is. Like, bro, you got a fishing pole. But after the fishing pole, you bought lure. And then you got this, this vest with all these pockets when really you don't need it because, like, you got a tackle box. But there's just something about having a hobby, and you're like, I got to look the best. Look, I say this with cycling. I might be slow, but I'm going to look pro. You know what I mean? Like, look, I, if I get in a real race, I'll probably lose, but I'm going to look good. I'm going to look like I know what I'm doing. It's like that with any kind of hobby. I go out, I'll play basketball with, uh, as a youth pastor with teenagers, and there's these two boys that wanted to play me and Zach. Zach's back there with our, our Voyagers. And they're like, Pastor John, come on, play us in two-on-two. So I got Zach, and Zach's in flip-flops. I'm in a pair of Vans and, like, skinny jeans, and these boys are, like, ready. I mean, they got, they got the, the sleeves on. They got their J's. They're ready. I'm like, you crushed them. Okay, crushed them. I was like, yeah, come up in my church. You're going to crush them. Anyways, um, but it was just one of those things you're looking at these kids. Poor things. They weren't very good. But they look good. It's like, man, they might, they might have something. And then they started shooting, and they're like, no, they don't, they don't got it. Wherever your treasure is will reveal that's where your heart is. And why is that? Why does God speak 2,000 times in Scripture about money? Because he cares about your money, and he wants your wallet? No, 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 no. Because he wants our hearts. Because he knows that it's attached. I mean, he's the one that made us. He created us, right? And so um, I just want to be very clear. God wants our hearts. And so um, when it comes to this idea of our heart always following our treasure, there are principles in the word of God when it comes to money and resources, and they're literally a roadmap to what God wants us to do with our resources. And that's what I love is God will never give you an, a, a, a command and it want you to obey it without the proper things for us to be able to do that correctly, Right? He's a God of principle. And the other good thing, and I'll show you in just a second, God will never ask you to do something that he doesn't first do himself. So in Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, we're going to jump in the Old Testament. A lot of times, especially if we talk about giving in church, we talk about giving the tithe. A lot of people are like, that's an Old Testament thing. You're right. It talks about the tithe in the Old Testament, which is 10%, right? And so for, like for our family, 10% of whatever we get, we tithe to whatever church we're a part of. When I was working at another church, like we gave that because I believe the word commands it. Some people are like, well, that's an Old Testament principle. Well, if you want to go there, the New Testament principle is a little bit more. Jesus said, give everything. He actually said, sell it all. He said, hey, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, so just sell everything and we're just going to travel. Usually when I tell people that, like, never mind, I'll take the Old Testament. Yeah, I'm good. Ten's good. Ten's good. But here's what happens when God asks for the 10%. It's not, it's not God says, hey, give me, give me 10 of your 100. It's God saying, I'm giving you 100 of this. I'm just asking for 10% of it to show me that I know that you trust me. And you would rather have 90% of what I've given you that's blessed. Because the Bible says if we hold 100% and don't give to him, the 100 is cursed. I'd rather have 90 blessed than 100 cursed. And can I tell you something about provision? This is so important because we get it twisted. Well, I work this job and I spend these hours and I make this money. Rewind. Bigger picture. Zoom out. 
You have breath in your lungs, which comes from God. You have a gift and a mind and the ability to be able to understand these things, to be able to work this job. Therefore, you are putting in the effort because God's given you a place to shine his light and make him famous and give him glory. And when we go all the way back to that, it came from God. So that stuff that you're making, whatever's coming in the bank account, isn't from you. It's from God. God is the provider. And here's why he has to be a provider. It's because you and I should all have a vision for our lives. If you don't have a vision for your life, you should make a vision board. You should sit down with your spouse or maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend. Or even if you've got young kids, you should sit down and start already asking them the questions. Man, what, do you, what, what are your dreams? What are your passions? What are your desires? Because we live in a culture, if you, you, know, you go to a, kid, a Voyager back there right now, like, what do you want to be? They're going to be like, I want to be a doctor. That's awesome. And then in the next breath, they're going to be like, or a dinosaur. And you're like, okay, that's fine. But we're on the right track. We're dreaming at least. But you and I know this, teenagers in the room, college students in the room, you can, you're even closer to go, I can remember when I said, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be amazing, and something because of our culture, and we want to be safe, and we want to be, I've got to provide for myself, I've got to be a provider, I've got to make it happen, our dreams just go to waste, and I believe it breaks the heart of God, because God was like, no, 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 remember what Jesus said, some kids came up and jumped on his lap, and the disciples were like, get away from him, leave him alone, and Jesus said, stop, the kingdom belongs to these. And he says, you won't enter the kingdom unless you become like one of these children. Why did he say this? Because he knew the way that they think and the way that they trust is the only way that I'll be what you need me to be in your life. I'm not the provider. God is. When I get a vision for my life, do you know what the word provision means? The prefix pro means to expand. When you get a vision, get, again, you cannot have provision if you have no vision. But when you have a vision for your life and God begins to provide, you know what he's doing? He's expanding your vision to see the bigger picture. This is why we must trust God so that we can see provision. Sean and I have seen crazy things happen in our lives. I, 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 there's stories I could tell on end and on end. I mean, there's been seasons where we only had one vehicle, and I drove two hours one way to work and left her in summer um, in a town with no vehicle. And we were just struggling and just trusting God. And out of nowhere, someone's like, hey, I want to give you a car. I would drive that car, and look, y'all, it was, it was one of those cars where God, like, grows your prayer life. I don't know if you've ever had a car like that. Like, you're grateful, but you're also praying, because I had to drive it two hours. Like, this was like an okay, like, around town car, but God didn't give me a job around town, and so I felt like God was just, like, growing my prayer life. I had to go over this big bridge called the Dames Point Bridge on 295 in Jacksonville. I mean, this, this was a 2001 Chevrolet Cavalier, and it was stick shift. And I'm talking, I was putting this thing in like second gear, and I'm to the floor, and I'm like, come on, we're getting over this bridge, baby. You're like, you got this. And I did that for six months, twice every day, Monday through Friday. Um, but that, I continued to drive that car grateful. It didn't have AC, but that's okay. It's all good. Like, Lord, you provided. Well, as we would move forward, someone would call or message Shauna about someone needing a vehicle. And it was about me at that point. Like, I'm now, before I was painting houses, at this point, I am uh, a youth pastor, and I'm like showing up to meet principals and try to connect and stuff, and I'm showing up, you know, just sweated out, just like, and I was like, hey, how are you? They're like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I guess. You know, and I was like, man, I probably need to just figure something else out. Well, this girl reached out to Shauna, and so this girl gave us another car, and so we took the vehicle that was given to me, and there was a teenager in our, in our youth ministry that needed a car, but give him that vehicle, and then he was a really hardworking kid. He got his own job. He was showing up to youth every week. It was really cool to see him. He wanted a truck, 
he wasn't he wasn't too cracked up about the Chevrolet Cavalier, but he was grateful. He ended up buying himself a truck and then took that Chevrolet Cavalier, gave it to a kid that he invited to youth camp. That kid got saved and got a car. I'm watching this car. I'm like, man, this thing's got anointing all over. How did it last this long? We're talking 273,000 miles. Like, I don't know, but it just keeps going. And I would look at kids, and if they were going to drive it, I'd be like, dude, you better follow God because this car is moving because you follow God. You stop following God, this thing's liable to break on you on Dame's point. You're going to start rolling backward. You better follow God. And, but it was just cool to see this stuff happen. Sean and I end up moving here, and both the vehicles that we drive right now, both of those vehicles were given to Sean and I before we moved here because we had a trailer with all of our equipment. We didn't have a vehicle big enough to pull a trailer, so one family gave us one car. We met with some pastor friends of us, of ours. We had a Toyota Camry, and their car broke down. They're from Kentucky. We're meeting with them in Florida, and as they said, man, we're just trying to figure out something in the car. Sean says, do you want our Toyota Camry? Like, it's got AC. Like, it's only got, you know just under 200,000 miles, and we've only put tires on it. It's a great car. So we drove our car to Kentucky, gave them a, the car, flew back with our kids, and then not long after the vehicle, I had another girl in our youth group before we moved. We were able to give that vehicle away. And so I'm just sitting back going, God, most people can never tell a story to be able to, and look, I'm also really good at the DMV. If you need help, I, I can hook you up. But I was like, God, many people can never tell this story, and why does this story exist? Because he's a provider. Not because there's anything special about Shauna and I. And this is what I would call, and if you could get this principle, the open-handed lifestyle. Because we'll live like this. Thank you, God. Appreciate that. He's trying to, no, I said thank you. Medic, back off. When God gives you something and you live open-handed, it's God, whether you give or whether you take it away, I'm going to bless your name. Job said this in the Bible. It's not a quote from John. But this open-handed lifestyle sets you and I up not only to be blessed, there's nothing better than being able to hand some for us in those seasons, be able to hand someone a set of keys and be like, sure, like just, just be blessed. And God, like you and I, when we live generous and we trust God and obey God, we get to be a part of his generosity. Can I say that one more time? We get to be a part of his generosity because he did it first. And so in Exodus 13, Old Testament, it says, the Lord said to Moses, to Moses consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both the man and the beast, is mine. Mine. God says that it's his. He's telling the people of Israel, hey, when the first lamb, goat, whatever is born, it's mine. But then he actually goes on in verses 12 and 13 of that same chapter. This gets a little weird. Just stick with me. It's Old Testament. Don't be like, oh, my gosh, what does this church believe? It's the Bible, okay? You shall set apart to the Lord all that the first opens the all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Now I could skip over that, but Jesus is the what of God? The Lamb of God. It's actually there's in the New Testament it talks about there's a gate for the sheep and there's a gate for the goats. You and I are goats. That, that's the representation. But the Lamb redeems us. That's why this Old Testament picture is saying, hey. The firstborn donkey, you need to redeem it with a lamb. You know why? Because God was telling a story throughout history because I'm sending you a lamb that's going to redeem all of humanity. You won't have to do this forever, but you have to do this in obedience now to be able to show that this was my plan all along. We can look back in the book of Exodus, and it wasn't God going, I'm just tired of them having to kill all these animals. No, it was God going, now finally, the story has been written. They can see that I'm about to provide the final lamb. And so... When, and there's several scriptures we can look at where God says, bring the first, bring the first. He'll, he'll tell them with crops and produce, bring the first of your crop. This is what the tithe means. The tithe just means 10%. The first 10% given to the Lord. Um, 
And so there's this, when it comes to the tithe, there's a scripture in, uh, let me make sure I didn't pass it. There's a scripture in, um, well, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says this, honor the Lord with your possessions, right? Trust God with our resources and with the first produce of, the, of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, it's telling us when we give God what's first, God takes care of what's missing. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life where you tried to fill all the gaps that were, that were missing, but it wears you and I out and we're not capable of doing it. You feel like you stay behind. You feel like you continue to struggle. Dude, there's been seasons for Sean and I, it's like we either tithe or we pay the light bill. I don't know if you ever had one of those seasons. Maybe you better than us. We've had those seasons. And you know what got first? The tithe. And you know what never went off? The lights. Something would happen. There'd be time we didn't have enough for groceries. Look, y'all, that season I painted houses, whoo. Groceries would get dropped off at the front porch. Someone would drop off pork chops because they cheap. Y'all, we have pork chops every way you can eat a pork chop. Okay, I'm talking, we have pork chops and salad. We have pork chop sandwiches. We have pork chops. You can do it on the stove, do it on the grill. You can do it in the oven. We just figure it out. We just start making stuff up with pork chops, right? Just putting spices that shouldn't even be on a pork chop. We're just trying to figure it out. But ultimately, God was going to get what was first. And a lot of times, people will be like, well, God, I've given you what's first, and how come I'm still eating pork chops? Giving God the first is not going, okay, God, I gave my first. Do your part. No, it's God, I gave the first because I trust you, and I'm just going to continue to trust you. And I, I believe sometimes when you continue to live in a season where you're watching God show up, sometimes people think, well, I give and I should be crazy blessed. Sometimes the craziest blessings are when we've always had enough. We keep making it. We never go without. Look at his faithfulness. Look at his consistency. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when, I'm just speaking as a parent, I grew up in church and was never truly taught the principle of the tithe. And I believe that made me struggle in many ways when I got my first full-time job because I didn't realize. I was in church, went to church, but didn't realize that this is God's. It's not mine. It's God's. And so look at Malachi chapter 3, 8 and 9. It says, will a man rob God? Question. Yet you have robbed me. This is the Lord speaking. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what, ha in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, the Lord says. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. But then you add verse 10, and he gives you the next verse. This is the Lord. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby be put, uh, and then put me to the test. Or he says, try me, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. I don't know if you've ever had anyone steal from you. I don't know if you've any, ha, ever had anyone rob you. But there are two different things definition-based. See, stealing's done behind your back. Robbing's done to your face. God doesn't say you've stolen from me by holding back the tithe. He says you've robbed me. You've done it right in front of my face. When God gave me that revelation in scripture, I was like, God, I don't want to rob you anymore. And I, there's sometimes like I, I'm struggling to think, will I make it? But again, when, I, when you and I do it from a place of fear, even when it comes to giving, when people, are gonna, people have said it for centuries, well, the church just wants my money. No, 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 the church doesn't want your money. We, we, we don't, look, God has provided. You see all this equipment that we're using right here? It's about $50,000 to get equipment to be able to launch a church. We were prepared to raise $50,000. I got a call on December 9th of 20. 2020? December 9th, 2020, I got a call. And our pastor that we were working for said, hey, what are you doing? So I'm sitting on the back porch. He said, can you go to Dallas? I said, when? He said, tomorrow. I was like, I don't know. My wife's eight months pregnant. Let me go ask her. He's like, hey, Shauna, can I go to Dallas tomorrow? I called Zach, who's over there in Voyage. I was like, hey, bro, can you go to Dallas? He 
He's like, I had a massage scheduled for tomorrow. I was like, cancel it. Um, we got in a car and drove 17 hours to Dallas to pick up a trailer that's right out back of these doors and $50,000 worth of equipment to do church with. It was just given. Just given. Hey, heard you guys are planting a church. Here, this is yours. Go build the kingdom of God. God's the provider, not us. It's his job. It's not us. He'll make it happen. So people will say like, oh, well, the church is always talking. Honestly, today, this was just a part of this series, and it had to be talked about because God wants our hearts. And when I look at this, there's only two options when it comes to the tithe, cursed or blessed. He says, you're cursed with a curse, or I'll bless you, and you'll have it overflowing. You can either rob from, from me, or you can give. And I just don't want to rob from God. And so here's the deal. When it comes to generosity and giving, there's several things. We could, if we talked only about money, I would be robbing you. So you got it. God asked for the 10%. You go to God. You have some time with God and figure out what that is on your heart. All I know is for me, there's a principle here of giving the first and I've always seen him provide. And obeying God, I've found in my life of 33 years, is always better than disobeying God. Amen? But if I just talked about like a monetary sense of trusting God, I would be robbing you. Because we see in scripture three different kinds of resources that you and I should spend. Time treasure, and talent. If you're taking notes, you should write those three things down. Time, treasure, and talent. Time, treasure, and talent. This is what I'm going to move into closing the message with. So check this out. Number one, time. I got this watch. It was actually my uh, old watch from my dad. He cut the end of it so it would fit Summer Kate's wrist. And uh, I was just, my dad would always, he bought the same watch literally like almost every Christmas um, until I think he's finally upgraded where he has something a little fancier. But like I'm talking for probably over 15 years, my dad wore the exact same watch. It's a Walmart watch. And he wanted the white face, black. This is just how, what he wanted, what he always had on his wrist. But when I think about you and I and the resources we have, time is one of the greatest resources we have. Like, time is actually a resource that once it's been spent, it's gone. Like, the minutes that I've been preaching, these minutes are gone. This date, this year, gone. Hope it was good, right? Um, thanks for being here. It's gone. You'll never get that back. But what I realize about time is the crazy thing about the resource of time is that many of us don't think time is a seed. And what I mean by that is every resource we have, if we don't think of it like a seed, then we'll think that it is just the thing that it's gone. But in the kingdom of God, there's this principle of multiplication. And in the kingdom of God, when things multiply, it's because we see resources given by God as seeds, not just as something that was here and then gone, but that God, you can multiply, you can do something with this. And so um, in Matthew 6, 5 and 6, it says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. In other words, we're being told, this is Jesus speaking, we're being told, he says, this is how you should spend time with God. But you and I will take time, and I think sometimes we're scared of, like, wasting time. I, I spending a lot of years with young people, I watch young people, like, I'm scared to waste my time. Like, I want to go ahead and, like, I'm going to try to get college classes done early, and I want to get this done, like the ones who are, like, forward thinking. And it's almost like they live in this, like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. When, yes, I understand, like, life is short, but, man, life is also to be enjoyed, and God can multiply something. But what we'll do is we'll take a resource like time. And we won't give God the time we should give him. We won't trust him. And we'll just lock it away. And we'll lock away this resource that God's given us, and it gets wasted. One way we lock away time is this, and I'm crazy guilty. I don't know if you've ever done this for about two hours and been like, what the heck? When is it be 4 o'clock? How did that happen? I've only been on YouTube for 10 minutes. 
And I'm not saying it's bad to do that. I'm just saying that we can, it is, I meet people all the time. Man, I got a busy schedule. It's hard for me to spend time with God. It's hard for me to wake up and get in the Bible. Man, it's busy. Can I see your screen time real quick? I can go into your settings and I can see like how much time you spent on Instagram. Can we just see it? And that's usually, look, I'm guilty. I've got it where it shows up on Sunday. It says, you spent, I ain't even going to say some of the hours that that thing's popped up. Right? My O's work. I had emails. People emailing the church, you know. We will lock up a resource that God gives us, and then it withholds the opportunity for God to bless and multiply the resource. The second one is this, treasure, treasure. There's, I have these Visa gift cards. Um, I'm going to do something with them in a second, but we will take treasure because it's like, God, this is my money, and I worked for it. And so I got to make sure my savings is good. And I got to tell my wife, hey, what did you just buy on Amazon? What is going on? What is that charge? Right? And we think, like, I, I've got to take care of it. It's mine, 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 mine. No, no, no. It's the Lord's. It's all God's. He gives you the ability to manage what he's provided for you. And then the 10% is just that showing, God, I trust you. I trust you. But we'll lock stuff away. And I'm telling you, when we lock away that kind of provision, I believe there's actually more than what we've locked up. But because it's locked up, God can't touch it. So here's one thing I've known about God. God will never force his way into your life. If you're in here today and you're like, bro, I hear you talking about all this stuff. I don't even believe in God. That's cool. Awesome. Guess what? He loves you right where you are. He loves you too much to let you stay that way. But he'll never force his way into your life. He'll only come by invitation. He's a gentleman. He doesn't show up by force. Now, once you're in his life, he says his kingdom will advance by force. And his kingdom will push back darkness because light always wins. But when it comes to invading your life, it will happen when he's invited. But we'll take a treasure, Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. You want to know why some of us, our hearts seem cold and dark and lifeless? It's because we just have our finances locked up where God can't touch it and bless it and do what he wants to with it. And then the third one is this, talent. Talent. I'm going to show you all secret talent today. I ain't done this much. So uh, I had to be homeschooled for a few years. Because your boy wasn't a good reader. It was bad. You ever done reading comprehension? You read a story and you answer questions. And then it's like, what sport did Timmy play? I'm like, who the heck's Timmy? I mean, I read this thing like four minutes ago. There ain't no Timmy in this story. I'm like searching. And then I just have the Christmas tree, you know, the standardized test. because I'm. From, it was bad. So my mom homeschooled me for a couple years. We moved. And as I was homeschooled, if you're homeschooled in the room, love you. Great. But let's just be honest. There's just quirks. Homeschool kids just get quirks. Brianna, she helps lead worship here. She's been with us for five years. Love Brianna. Brianna had some quirks. She's grown. Things have changed. But I'm right there with her. I mean, I was homeschooled for two years, and it just got strange quick. I, I don't know. And, and, and it's not like there's anything bad. It's just the fact of, like, for me, it was I was at home with my mom and my sister all the time. Love my sister. She'll probably listen to this. Brooke, I love you. But, like, it's bound to just get a little, little buck wild, right? Mom to, like, close herself in the laundry room and, like, scream. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And she's just, like, over it because it was fifth grade when I got homeschooled. She went from me being kindergarten to fifth grade. I was gone for six hours a day, right? And now here we are every morning. So I just, like, I, I have a tendency to have a very addictive personality. Like, our team jokes. Like, if, if I would have ever gotten bad off into drugs or alcohol, like, everybody's like, bro, you would have been the most annoying person on the planet. You would have been whack. Like, it would have been bad. Um. Because I do. And so I, I got into yo-yoing when I was homeschooled. I really did. I got, like, big into it. 
I'll give you a couple tricks. First one will be the Eiffel Tower. Thank you for the golf clap. Y'all are jerks. I know some of y'all are like, I can do the rock the baby or whatever. Okay. Me and you. Let, let's world stage. Let's go do like uh, America's Got Talent or something. Let's do this thing. And I know this seems absolutely silly and ridiculous. That's because my other analogy didn't work because Joe's not on drums today. But what happens with talents is we'll do the same thing. We'll lock them up. And the reason I said that about Joe is because Joe plays drums here. And Joe was a ninth grader in our youth group. And he struggled. He wanted to play drums, but he struggled to play drums well. Um, like he just couldn't keep tempo. Y'all was bad. Now he does great now. Joe's a better drummer than I am. But can I tell you what I realized about my talent? Look, when I was in college, I was like, I'm going to be a drummer. I, I was in this hardcore Christian band for a season. You know, we just had like, you know, we were just going crazy on Friday nights. Yeah, it was nuts. I was all about it. I mean, double kick pedal. Like I had, look, I had the studded belt. Y'all know. Don't, don't, go, don't go far back on Facebook on my Facebook. I need to go delete some stuff. But I was all about it. And I'm like, I'm going to be a touring drummer. Like this is my dream. And then I realized, like, I'm really not that good. Like, I knew the basics of drumming, and I could get by. So, but that talent of drumming was just enough that when I met Joe and I saw the desire, I began to just show him what I know. And my talent was actually the ability that I've watched my gift of drumming, which isn't the greatest, but it was a seed, flourish in his life. And that is what it looks like to take our time, our treasure, our talents, and to not lock them up but to be utilized for the glory of God. All right, I need three people real quick. Three people. Someone. All right, Raymond, come on. Yes, sir. Yo-yo guy, let's go. And Cortland, let's go. Come on. Yeah, just stand right here. Stand right here. All right. Here's a $50 Visa gift card. Just hold it. I'll tell you what to do with it in a second. Just hold it. Don't think that I'm, like, just giving out money. <laughs> you know, you ain't like that. I'm just kidding. Actually, I am. So I'm giving all three of you this, okay? This is, you're taking this today. But you got to stand up here awkwardly while I read a scripture real quick, okay? So this is um, Matthew 25. Listen to what it says. For it will be a man like going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one um, he gave one. To each according to their abilities or their gifts or their talents, okay? So that means they were all talented in some area and he gave them something. It says, then he went away. He, the one who had received five talents went and traded them and he made five more talents. Um, the one with two talents traded those and made two more talents. But the one who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And it says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts for them. And he, the one who had received five talents, came and the master said, well done. The one with two who got the four, he said, well done. But the one who only had one, um, it says, uh, master said, well done. Okay, verse 24. Um, the one who, he also received the one talent who came forward saying, master, I knew you were a hard person. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you can have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I do not scatter seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine, what was my own with interest. So, take the, so he took the talent from him and he gave it to the, the one who had ten talents. For everyone who has more... Uh, for everyone who has will more be given, and he, uh, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, 
even what he has is going to be taken away. And so here's this whole principle. Every one of them were given something, and they went and they did something with it. It was multiplied. But for the one, he was like, bro, I'm just going to, I don't want to lose what I got, so I'm just going to hide it. This principle is a picture of when Jesus is on the planet. We know that he dies. He ascends to heaven. And right now, Jesus sits at the right hand. And if you don't know this, Jesus is coming back. And this is a picture of what we do with our talents while he's gone. And when he comes back, what are we presenting to him? And we can only present to him what's been multiplied with what we've already trusted him with while he's gone. While we are here waiting on the return of Christ. And so here's what I'm asking. Here's what I'm asking. $50 Visa gift card, $50 Visa gift card, $50 Visa gift card. I had a pastor friend do this last week, and he gave away $2,000. He said, our church ain't rolling like that. My God. It's yours. Take it. And I can't tell you what to do with it, just like God can't make you do anything with, with, with what you have, um, even though he's provided it. But I'm going to ask that you do something this week. I'm going to ask that whether it's after church today, you go to lunch, find someone, pay for someone's lunch. I was going to say pay for someone's gas, but that's going to get them like a gallon. Um, I'm just kidding. You can at least put something in there. But I really believe it's the opportunity of, look, you didn't show up today expecting this. You didn't do anything to earn it. It was given. And that kind of realization of going, wait, this was never mine to begin with, right? So, yes, of course, that it can be given. And here's the thing. Some of us are going, wait, but the story, like she should come back with two Visa gift cards. No, no, no. The story is multiplication. And what happens when we give generously and help others, when we sow into the church that we go to, why do people tithe to the church they go to? Because you sow into the place that takes care of your soul. And isn't it interesting that people will come to a church and trust it to take care of their soul spiritually but won't trust it to do something good with the finances to love the city? And I would just say this. If you're like, I don't know about Voyage Church with finances, that's fine. Go find another church that you could trust and sow into that house because I believe that's how God wants to advance. But the multiplication with this kind of giving happens in the way that you love and serve people. You tell someone, you grab an grab a invite card and attach it to it. You have a conversation with someone. And the multiplication in the seed is not that you have more money afterwards. I don't play drums all that often. My multiplication in seed is that I stand down here at a church that we've dreamed of planting for 10 years, remembering a kid who came into our youth group who is just like trying to figure out what it looks like to follow God. And I'm watching him as a man now going after the things of God, st- sitting up here leading our church in worship because seeds, the seed was planted and multiplication has happened. And that's what this is. When God gives, we give, and he multiplies it. Give it up for the people who, who volunteer for that. Uh, at, let's talk afterwards. Let's talk afterwards. And so we're, we're close on time. It's yours, bro. Take it. It's yours. He was looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, Jonathan, I think he's coming up. I don't know where he's at. Sorry. And Raymond, only, I'm behind on time, and I'm trying. I'm thinking about. Amen. Amen. And that's it. That's it. There's times you might plant something, and because, I mean, the Bible tells us some plant, some water, but God brings the increase. God brings the growth, right? And so that's the thing we have to remember is it comes from God. God multiplies it, makes it grow, but it all hinges on this one thing. Not will God multiply or will God bless, because he's going to bless. The question for you and I is this, will we be a part of it? Will we be a part of it? Because if, if he says, hey, I want you to give this, and I'm going to multiply it, just watch what I'm going to do, and we go, nah, man, it was mine. It was mine. That's fine. I promise you God's not going to go, oh, my gosh, the universe is out of balance because this person disobeyed me, and I don't know what I'm. No, he's going to go to the next person. He's like, hey, do you want to be a part of this blessing? I, they had an opportunity to be a part of the blessing. They said no, and it's their choice, and I'm not going to force them. Do you want to be a part of this blessing? Because I'm God. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, he's the God of the heavens. He does what he pleases. He will accomplish his work. His word will go forward. He will see it come to pass. Will you and I get to be a part of that? 
Can you stand to your feet? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And again, I want to be very clear today. We're talking about this today because it's a part of our series. And we just said as a young church, we're just not going to be scared to talk about resources and finances. Because it is resources that allows the kingdom to move forward. But you decide in your heart. There's no pressure. Again, if you don't call this church home and you're figuring it out, cool. If you're in a place where you're like, I love this church. My family's growing. God's doing something. And you're like, but I still don't know if we could even, like, our finances. Just begin to go to the Lord. Spend some time with him. Ask him. Say, God, can you just reveal to us where we could even begin when it comes to giving? Because I promise you, it's not giving just so that it's like, okay, good job. Check off the box. Thanks. No, it's giving because God's like, I've got blessing locked up, but I, my, my blessing can only respond to obedience. I've got it. The, the obedience is what allows the blessing of God to respond to our lives. And so I just don't want to plant just a few seeds. But it says, he who plants generously will get a generous crop. Here's what I know. I haven't planted much. My wife did some gardening in the last uh, house we lived in. I don't know too much, but I know this. You plant a tomato seed, don't you dare get ticked off when apples don't come out. Because you'll always reap what you sow. And here's the other thing I've learned. You will never reap when you sow. I know we live in like a microwave culture and we're like, oh my gosh, my phone's taking forever. I have LTE, you know. And it's like, bro, you were complaining when 4G was slow and it was way slow, right. We live in this instant culture. You'll never reap when you sow. But here's the principle and here's the beauty of God. You will always, you will never plant a tomato seed and get one tomato. You'll always reap more than you sow. That's the principle in the earth, of the earth, the principle of the soil. And guess who created the soil? We got it. So everything in the natural is a picture of what God wants to do in the supernatural. You plant a seed of your time. You plant a seed of your treasure. You plant a seed of your talent. You sign up to serve. You say, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to begin to love on some kiddos so that a mom and a dad can come to church and sit in here and encounter God and watch God multiply. Watch God multiply. And so here's what I'm going to do. Like I said, our church... We do giving different in our church. We don't pass a bucket. Um, number one, we don't want you to feel pressured. Number two, we believe giving is worship. And it says in Malachi there, it says bring the tithe to the house of God. And so that's why we have tables up front. We have online giving. We normally do our giving right after our second song, and then we, we just do it as a worship moment. But Sean and I were talking, and with doing this moment today as we talked about this, I really wanted to create a space for worship for you to give. Um, if you call this place home. If not, maybe it's just like, God, show me where I can use my talent more. Um, I'm thinking about Sadie right here who, you know, was taking pictures. Um, Shauna saw that she did pictures on Facebook or whatever, and they were coming to our church, and she started taking pictures and just crushing it, like just incredible. And then Mary, Mary and her have like teamed up. So Mary's taking pictures last week, and I'm watching people take a talent and a gift and begin to use it. And what's cool is what will happen is there's someone else in here who maybe you already do that, or you don't even know yet that you have an eye for it. And in the church, what happens is, is gifts get unlocked. Talents get unlocked. Things that you've locked up. Something happens in the presence of God. We're really good at opening the latch. And then these things, you're like, oh, my gosh. And then we've watched people turn something they didn't even know was a gift. And God's just blessed their life with it. 
And this is the beauty of the kingdom of God, of finding the space to just say, God, I'm going to trust you with my resources, every area of my life. So I'm going to pray. Jonathan's going to lead us for a second. Um, I, I really just wanted to take a time of worship for giving. So we have giving table in the back, up front. You can give online, uh, thevoyage.church. There's text to give. There's a number they can put on the screen. If you give in-house, we have the um, envelopes up there. But again, this is just an, an opportunity to worship God with our giving if you call this place home. If you don't, you can, you can worship God besides just giving, right? And I want to be very clear. But we really, like my wife and I, we give online. I'm going to walk up here as an act of worship. I'm going to grab one of those envelopes. I'm going to circle the online giving. I'm going to write my name on it. And I'm going to put it in there and thinking about Malachi saying, God, I'm bringing it to the storehouse. God, you said you'd open up the windows of heaven. God, you said you'd do this. I trust you. You're faithful. You are who you are. You've, you've been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, here's my worship. Here's my worship. And I believe what God's setting uh, us up to do in our church is going to be crazy. Um, Two weeks ago, a ministry outside of our church sent us a $20,000 check and just said, hey, we heard what your church is doing, and we love it, and we believe in you, and so here. A little church like ours, when me and Sean are trying to figure things out, that's huge. That's huge. That allows us to take what a vision of a voyage vehicle, and it puts provision to it, right? And allows us to go, whoa, look what God, look what God can do. Like, if, he'll, if he gives you a vision for it, he'll give you provision for it. Absolutely, this is who he is. I'm just telling you, you are in a house that people from even outside of here, we were at a conference this past week, we got to stand in front of 230 pastors and just say, hey, here's what God's doing in our church. And they're like, man, we are so excited. We're so excited. There are people on the outside looking in. And sometimes when you're in the miracle, you can miss it. And I just want to let you know you're standing in the middle of the miracle right now. God's doing something. And so I just invite you to be a part. Let's worship God with our giving. Lord, we just come before you right now. God, we're grateful. God, we're grateful for your faithfulness, and God, we just pray right now, God, that you bless what's given, God, in song and in gift. God, we bring it to you because you're worthy, and we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.